I'm David LeCamp with David LeCamp Farms in Santa Fe, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. You know the drill. Just jump on in with me and buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we have more coverage from last week's cattle industry convention. The Texas Cattle Feeders Association would like to improve fed cattle pickup times. We'll have more on that coming from TCFA's Ben Weinheimer to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. It looks like input cost could play a significant role in the cropping decisions of Texas High Plains farmers this year. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. As planting time nears, there's a cotton variety that has shown good performance in the Rio Grande Valley, Coastal Bend, and Upper Gulf Coast of Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and we'll learn more about that variety from an agronomist in South Texas on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Encouraging packers to pick up fed cattle from feedlots on time was the focus of a resolution passed last week at the Cattle Industry Convention in New Orleans. Ben Weinheimer, president and CEO of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association, says the resolution is aimed at getting packers to pick up cattle within seven days. The time between when feed yards, you know, market cattle to a packer and then when those cattle are ultimately picked up to be harvested at the plant. Depending on what region of the country you're in, uh, that pickup time can vary from seven days to even sometimes two, three or four weeks. And of course, that gets to be problematic if you have plans on the books to get those cattle shipped and refill those pens with uh, new feeder cattle. Weinheimer says the seven-day pickup has been the policy in our part of the country since the 70s, but many times it isn't followed. This has been an issue for a long time to really put some emphasis on this length of pickup time, and this is a new policy then that will really encourage this to be an industry-wide standard to help encourage packers to comply, if you will, with a seven-day pickup time unless it's been otherwise negotiated at the time that the cattle have been traded. Ben Weinheimer with the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. The cattle industry visited with a celebrity at the convention last week. The hit television show Yellowstone's co-creator Taylor Sheridan addressed the convention via Zoom because he was iced in at his Four Sixes ranch in Guthrie. But like every other Texas rancher, he was thankful for the moisture. 
Well, thanks for having me. I'm sorry I couldn't be there in person. We got an ice storm. It's icing right now. And, you know, you run enough cattle, you don't complain about the form your moisture comes in. You just say thank you. Sheridan was raised in a farming and ranching family here in Texas, and he told the crowd that his main motivation for creating Yellowstone was to educate consumers about the challenges that real ranchers face in an entertaining way. It's a lifestyle that teaches countless lessons, and you are providing for yourself and others. And that's been lost in large urban areas, which is where decisions are made politically. And so with Yellowstone, I decided to tell the story of the West. And I had a goal, which was number one, I'll put some drama and sugar on the pill, but I'm going to teach you a little bit about where your food comes from and the effort it takes to raise it. And then number two, it's cool to be vegan, even though there's no real health benefit to it and you're not saving any lives by doing it. But then that's what we say. Okay, well, I'm going to make it cool to be cowboy. And I wanted it to be real and authentic, and I wanted cowboys to watch it and go, that's about as good as you're going to be able to do it with a bunch of actors. Sheridan says he bought the four sixes to keep it from getting split up after the owner passed away. Input costs could play a significant role in the cropping decisions of Texas farmers this year. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. For farmers in the Texas High Plains, the time is getting nearer for when they need to firm up their plans for the season ahead. Jesse Wieners is a farmer based in Groom, and he says how he will divide up acres this year will be influenced, at least in part, by the experience of last year. We just got done growing one of the highest input crops we've ever grown. I mean, we're looking at the season last year, growing our cotton crop. We had extremely high inputs. We had a dry year. It cost us a lot to grow that crop, and whenever we planted that crop, we were sitting at around $1.40 a pound. Whenever we harvested that crop, we were around $0.80 a pound. So we had a huge drop with those high input prices. So that's making us think, what do we need to shift for the 23 year? Looking at budgets, grain sorghum is looking pretty profitable right now. So there will be some switches from cotton to grain sorghum for our operation this year. Beyond planting new crops in the spring, that's also right about the time when weaners will be harvesting a winter wheat crop that is looking more promising after the snow a couple weeks ago. We got around eight inches of snow here. I mean, one of the best snows we've had. No wind, just a good wet snow. And as soon as it warms up a little bit, I think this dry land wheat's going to start to perk up and I think it's going to look pretty good now. We're still going to need some more rain and some more snow to help it out, but we're in a lot better shape right now than we were last year at this time. Jesse Wieners grows corn, grain sorghum, wheat, and cotton on multiple pieces of land in Potter, Carson, Donley, Gray, and Wheeler counties. Tomorrow, we'll hear more from him on the strategies he's using to reduce the impact of high input costs. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We're getting close to kicking off the 2023 crop year in South Texas. Tom Nicoletti looks at a cotton variety that South Texas farmers may want to consider this year. My guest today from the Corpus Christi area is Scott Stanislav. He is a technical agronomist with DeKalb Asgro Delta Pine. And uh, Scott, we visit today to talk about a cotton variety that has been successful in the southern part of the state. And uh, go ahead and fill us in on that and why uh, those characteristics with that variety will uh, hopefully work for farmers in 2023. Yeah, today I'm going to talk about Delta Pine 2020 B3XF. 
that's a variety that we've got a couple of years of experience with down in, in this southern part of Texas. This is a variety that, especially from the Rio Grande Valley up to Corpus, the coastal bend area, and as you keep following up the coast to the upper Gulf Coast of Texas, has shown very strong performance over the last couple of years. We've had varying weather conditions across those areas, and Delta Pine 2020 has proven to be pretty consistent uh, across varying environments. You know, as I think about management of that particular variety, it responds very well to PGRs. It's very easy to manage it. What other characteristics of this particular Delta Pine cotton variety stand out uh, that are uh, certainly positive for uh, growers? The key things that we've seen over the last couple of years is good emergence and vigor with that particular variety. It's always a a key thing to to get off to a good quick start early on in the season and, and get that crop going uh, down the right direction. What about the, its um, drought tolerance level? Looking back at Delta Pine 2020, especially last year in, in uh, 2022 during the drought year, it had good performance across a, a broad area. That is Scott Stanislav. He is uh, with DeKalb Asgro Delta Pine. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Last week's winter ice storm took a toll on much of the state. We go out to West Texas now to check in with Eddie Griffiths in the Lubbock area. Well, Eddie, how did that storm affect agriculture out in your area of the state? Well, it affected like it has before, you know, the cold weather, trying to get feed out there. Fortunately, we weren't affected nearly like those in other parts of the state with the uh, severe ice storms and that wreaking havoc on roadways and power lines and everything else but for the most part we dealt with cold weather and just trying to get supplemental feed out to livestock keep water busted and or water going for the livestock you know one of the essential needs for them and then ensuring that they had some kind of uh, protection so how cold did it get last week getty any snow accumulation no accumulations we were in the upper teens you know wind chills were in the lower teens well, as you mentioned earlier, livestock most affected by all of this last week. Yeah, you know, especially there's a lot of stock cattle out on wheat, more so than we generally see in this area because of moisture. The wheat crop's been really good, so producers have had to utilize probably some of that harvest equipment, get it out there, and try to take livestock from the frigid air. Did you see any impact on winter wheat? I don't see any, uh, you know, sometimes you'll see a little bit of damage to, to some of the, the wheat crop, but just driving around, all of it seems to be doing well. But, you know, if we start seeing temperatures like that, probably later into the month of February, early March, as this wheat gets older and uh, gets past that fertilization stage, you probably could see some burning on some of that. All right. Thanks, Eddie. That's Eddie Griffiths. He is a farmer in the Lubbock area. Over the next 10 to 15 years, we'll see several new state parks and natural areas. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And a liver biopsy is helpful when diagnosing trace mineral deficiencies in dairy cattle. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau health plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.COM. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. A liver biopsy is helpful when diagnosing trace mineral deficiencies in dairy cattle. Dr. Bob Judd tells more about it. The liver biopsy extracts a tiny piece of liver tissue, and this piece of tissue can be evaluated for levels of trace minerals like zinc, selenium, copper, and manganese. Dr. Loader indicates we tend to think of bugs and drugs, and which bug does the cow have, and which drug can I use to fix the problem. By monitoring liver status, we can proactively solve health problems and treat the underlying issue or prevent disease. If a liver biopsy shows a trace mineral deficiency, these deficiencies can be corrected with a ration change or supplementation, which can increase reproductive efficiency. In the past, liver biopsies were much more invasive, but now we can perform them using a true-cut biopsy needle with little risk to the animal. The needle is 14-gauge and only takes a one-half-inch long sample from the right side of the cow's liver. These trace minerals wax and wane through the pregnancy cycle and are lowest at the time of calving, as a large percentage of minerals are transferred to the fetus. But the levels will increase again with the next pregnancy. The timing of the sample does not matter as long as it is correlated with the stage of reproduction. Checking cows as they freshen and then again at dry off is recommended. Liver biopsies of calves can also be helpful to check their trace mineral status, and these biopsies are commonly used in New Zealand. However, it is a fairly new procedure in the United States. As Dr. Lauder indicates, about 75% of his audience of dairy producers had never had a liver biopsy performed. Ask your bovine veterinarian their opinion on taking liver biopsies of your dairy cows to determine trace mineral status. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We will see several new state parks and natural areas in Texas in the next few years. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. For a century now, Texas state parks have offered people an opportunity to get away from the hustle and bustle of the city to relax and enjoy the wildlife and habitats that make Texas unique. The park system offers a little bit of something for everyone, and it plans to continue to do so for the next 100 years and beyond. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission recently received a briefing on plans for future state parks and state natural areas. Over the next 12 to 15 years, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department intends to complete the planning, design, and development of six land holdings for use as state parks and natural areas. Palo Pinto Mountain State Park near Strawn is nearing completion now. It's expected to have a soft opening later this year, with a full opening sometime next year. Devil's River State Natural Area is expected to open in 2024. Justin Flary, lead park planner for Texas State Parks, describes the area. That property is about 20,000 acres on a pristine river, one of our most renowned sites for the natural resource. So we're pretty excited about that one. There is another additional unit called Del Norte already open today. 
The Albert and Bessie Kronkowski State Natural Area is scheduled to open in 2026. It's just outside of Bernie. And that's just under 4,000 acres, and it's one of our most pristine sites that's been protected over the last few decades for uh, rare and endemic natural resources. The Powderhorn State Park and Wildlife Management Area on the Coastal Bend is expected to open in 2026. To be clear, the Wildlife Management Area is already open and functioning. We're talking about the state park portion. Going to be a wildlife paradise for the resources are there. We'll have more on this on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market took a bit of a breather on Tuesday, closing lower, while cotton prices were strongly higher. We'll check out all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was another turnaround Tuesday in the cattle market on Tuesday as we saw the market turn around and close lower after prices ran up quite a bit last week. We finished lower on both live and feeder cattle Tuesday. February live cattle dropping 25 cents, 160.57. The April down 87 at 163.60. June live cattle down 90. 159.80. Feeder cattle, same story with March feeders down 50 cents, 187.20. April feeder cattle down 40, 191.35. May feeders down 72 at 194.80. Cash fed cattle market still quiet on Tuesday. Feedlots here in the South asking 161 to 162 this week. Boxed beef prices higher on Tuesday. Choice up 111 at 267.68. Select up 350, 257.22. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Our guest today is Russell Heller from Lexington Livestock Commission Company. He and his crew put together a good sale each and every Saturday there in Lexington, Texas. Russell, how was this last one? Yes, sir, we had a sale of what very many cattle, 296 total head with 57 cows. Well, walk the pens with us, please. All right. The Packard sale is sold really good, 35 to 58 on the thinner ones, and the better ones, 59 up to a dollar. On the steering bull kids, three to four pounds, 120 to 240. Four to five weights, 115 to 225. Five to six weights, $1.10 to 210. Six to seven weights, 105 to 195. Seven to eight weights, $1 to 175. On the heifers, three to four pounds. 115 to 220, 4 to 5 weights, 110 to 205, 5 to 6 weights, $1.05 to 190, 
six to seven weights, dollar to one seventy, seven to eight weights, ninety five to one fifty five. Sounds good. What was the count? Two ninety six, pretty light. Have you had any moisture since you and I spoke last? Um, no, sir, not since then. It kind of cleared up and everything, but we had two and a half to three, three and a half inches with all the ice. So I mean, we're pretty wet right now. Good. I understand y'all have another chance of moisture about midweek. Yes, sir. Tuesday and Wednesday, there's a chance, I think, maybe a quarter to half an inch. So there's a little bit of chance. Good. We'll take it. That'll mean pounds on cattle to come later. Speaking of cattle to come later, what do you think Saturday will bring? Uh, one man's going to have 15 kids, and that's all that I know of so far. Well, it's a good start to a great sale with Russell Heller and crew at Lexington Livestock. They sell them every Saturday, do a good job, get the best price available. Russell, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yes, sir. You can get me on my cell. That number is 979-820-7002. Russell, we appreciate you. I'll talk with you later in the week. Thank you, Larry. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs finished higher Tuesday. February hogs up 32 cents, 75.37. The April up 55 cents at 83.27. Class 3 milk was slightly lower. February milk down 5 cents, 17.79, 100 weight. With March milk down three, seventeen forty-three a hundred. Big jump in the cotton market on Tuesday. Traders positioning ahead of Wednesday morning's USDA crop production and supply and demand report. Also, the market getting support from a drop in the dollar and a slight rally in the stock market. March cotton up two hundred thirty-six points, eighty-five sixty-three. May cotton up two twenty-seven, eighty-six thirty-eight. With new crop December up 209.85.82. The corn market finished lower. Once again, traders positioning ahead of Wednesday morning's report. The nearby March contract down 5 cents, 674 a bushel. May corn down four and three quarters at 673, while September was down a nickel, 608 a bushel. Wheat market finished mixed with hard wheat higher. Soft wheat mixed, March Kansas City wheat up nine and three quarters, eight eighty-five and three quarters. New crop July up a nickel, eight sixty-three and a quarter. On the soft wheat, July Chicago wheat up a quarter penny, seven sixty-seven a bushel. In the energy markets, March natural gas up thirteen cents, two fifty-nine. March West Texas crude up three twenty-two, seventy-seven thirty-three a barrel. The financial markets higher Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 307 points, 34,198. The Nasdaq up 247 at 12,144. The S&P up 61, 4,175. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.